Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder, Treason, No Plot. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined by my two regular co-hosts. Not two? Three! I'm Apparently I'm here. killing you off in real life. <laughs> yeah, for, for a second I was wondering, who did, who did he forget? Who, <laughs> who did I fire who's, in between weeks? Who, yeah, who's, who's pissed him off? Probably me. Ah. Now, my three regular co-hosts, Matt Dennis, Flo Dennis, and James Uncle. You're all still employed. Hooray! Of a sort. Of, of, of a sort, yes. <laughs> it's one of those unpaid internships, isn't it, that seems to have been going on for years. Exactly. One day, one day <laughs> you may earn a minimum wage job with this organisation if you uh, buckle down and uh, fly right. Yeah, I mean, we're going to need a few more um, patrons for that, so anyone who's listening... Uh, if you're enjoying the show, um, we're, we're 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 unpaid at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? we, do, we do this for free. It's true. We take no profits, no nothing. Nope. Help us become the greedy capitalists we truly wish to be. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, they will be reprising their roles as Tommy Hawkins, our gunslinger rogue, Sophia Landrin, our fighter cleric, and Dick Fate, our barbarian. And, I mean, last week we had a very different uh, D&D session, where I don't believe a single die was even rolled. Nope. Oh, I was a bit sad by that. Mm. Kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, not, yeah. not even a check. No. Nope. <laughs> I mean, look, looking back, the last thing that happened was a rapier attack by um, Sophia against the um, magma demon. Uh, my oh, sinister friend. Yeah. 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 Which, um, which uh, that, that kill-stealing blow. Oh God! You're still better. It's been two weeks, dude. You got the reward. We don't know if it's a reward. It could be herpes. True. Elemental herpes. Flight yeah. flaming herpes. That sounds exactly. like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, last week you all entered your own little dream worlds and had some fun conversations that all went very differently. Um, Dick Fate was shown images from his past and was made to uh, relive them a little bit out of sync and out of order and kind of forced to enact parts that he'd prefer to forget and was actually given that option to forget it, to let it disappear from his memory in exchange for losing the equivalent amount of time somewhere else, losing it from his life. And though I think... uh, Uncle, you were quite torn over this choice. I think Mr. Fates probably made the choice he would make. Yes, yeah, I think... uh, Yeah, I think I made the right decision in the end for the character, so... (laughs) (laughs) Not not just the glory of being evil and winning. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I mean, I could see, like, scenarios where Mr. Fate would fall to evil, but I don't think he's the sort of person who'd do it, like, as a choice where... Join our team and I'll give you glory and riches and things like that. I think for Dick, if he was to ever fall, it'd be more a case of driven by his barbarian instincts and rage, like a need to survive or power or to stop an event. Like, I think that would be the only way that Dick would fall. And I don't know if he would, but I think that would be more uh, in tune with him. But, you know, it's your character, so uh, take of that as you will. Yeah, but just so we're clear... Bunkle would take it in a heartbeat. Oh yes, of course, yeah. oh, of course. <laughs> but, but but Dick, no, Dick, Dick's got stronger morals. <laughs> He's probably not wrong. 
It's hard uh, playing against type, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, speaking of strong morals, Sophia got a very different little vision. You got a view of the future, or at least a potential future, of you and Solara living happily after, presumably, any and all cataclysmic events. You were living out a life of peace. But it was peace that had come at a price. And that price was you renouncing what you believe in right now and essentially flipping over to uh, Team Whispering Man. Actually killing Kalimvor. Yeah, you were the one to strike the killing blow in this reality and were championed for it. Uh, and then you just, you just got to retire to the woods in your cabin. Yeah, mm-hmm. all, yeah, all of a sudden, everything's just hunky-dory. Yeah, yeah, you um, killed a god, which technically means you have the power of said god. Yeah, hunky-dory. Yep. Well, does, does, does Sophia get the power, or does the well, man who whispers? Well, she didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now I know about, like, outer gods and things like that, I think. I'm not too sure if my character knew that beforehand. Yeah, you've, 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 you've learned a bit. I've you've learned yeah, a bit. You've learned a bit. Just, just, uh, uh, just. I suppose it's slightly after you will have known of Bane and yeah, yeah, like gods but... like that who ascended to godhood because they killed a god. Yeah, so... I didn't know that the Whispering Man necessarily was out of the ordinary. More than just a god. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, I mean, just a god. More than just a god, eh? I mean, that's that's, <laughs> that's something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Not going to say that when godhood isn't enough. <laughs> 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 yeah, and he seemed to speak uh, quite well, quite a bit of ire and contempt towards your uh, mortals turned gods in your world. In fact, he seemed to be implying that they were just using people like you, Sophia, and you're nothing more than a means to an end for these creatures who see themselves on the top of their respective food chains in their uh, little domains and pantheons, which didn't seem to sway you. You kind of stuck to the line that you made your choice, and that's where you want to go with it. And you uh, rejected his offers of uh, whatever he was going to offer you if you signed up. So, yeah, that's that future potentially gone, and we'll see where you actually end up. And then, Tommy, you got, again, a very different scenario. You weren't shown a past or a future or even a present you were taken somewhere entirely different to a a half-formed memory of your favorite tavern back in Baradin, the Ogre's Eye. You sat down and saw a couple of shadowy figures playing a game in the corner. You had a few drinks and you met a very old friend, Handrel, who, as far as you could tell, seemed to be the real deal. He chatted with you a little bit, he kind of talked you through exactly why he'd made some of the choices he'd made, and you promised to follow up on what you could with that, going after his parents' murderer and maybe putting his spirit to rest in one way or another. But he had a message for you, and that was simply keep up the good work, pat on the back and send you on your way. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. And then, once Andrew disappeared... You were shown a staircase that led up to a private room in the tavern upstairs. So you went upstairs and you saw perhaps the continuation of a dream you've been having recently. 
up till this point, that previous dream, you were kind of outside the ogre's eye and the woman came running out, angry and crying. And this time you saw where that originated. She was having an argument with another gentleman who she claimed was nothing more than a criminal. And she stormed out the room after he threatened to dispose of her and her child. You slipped inside and got a good look at the man who seems to, yes, be sort of dressed like a noble, but not one from around Varadin. And he kind of addressed a figure that you hadn't spotted yet, a younger Valmin, your little gnomish friend, who he told to basically keep an eye on her and make sure that she doesn't step out of line. And that's kind of where we ended with you, Tommy. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Interesting times all around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on all this, any of the three of you, of your uh, respective little visions, now that you've had a week to consider your actions. <laughs> I mean, I probably could tell that um, Bunkle's regretting his. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even necessarily say I'm regretting it. I, you know, I think it was the... I've done the right thing, and I'm interested to find out how this kills us in about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really made any decisions so far. So I've just, I've just witnessed, I just had a pint or two, had a chat and um, witnessed something that feels very much like my mother confronting my father about me. But I don't know that for definite. And I don't know if it's real. I don't know if I can interact in this scene or whether I'm just watching it. So a lot of questions, but no answers as of yet. Mm. And I'm very happy with how Sophia played that little scene. I think I think Sophia did a lot more listening than she let on. It seems like anyway, but but acted like you know she was she was bored by him, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Mm. Well, I suppose we should. Uh jump back in and see where everything's going. So, Tommy, you are back in this rather nice for the ogre's eye private room. You see a man, probably in his 20s, sat in that armchair, swirling his brandy, just finished speaking to the man you now recognize as Valmin, your gnomish longtime friend. Almost father figure in some ways, but someone who's taught you a lot over the years and has looked out for you. You see them interact, and the gentleman in the armchair starts turning his head and looks back out the window, not really paying attention to the rest of the room. Takes a sip of his drink while Valmin stands there. And it's all kind of silent for a moment as you kind of look around the room. And yeah, this, this looks like a private room in the ogre's eye. This no different than you would remember it had you uh, found this room any other ways. It looks as real as it ever was. As you're pondering just what this scene was and how it relates to you, you see a small object thrown towards you, and just on instinct, you quickly grab at the item, and as you inspect it, you recognize the dagger of Baal in your hand, and from behind you, you hear Valman's voice. I'm not really certain why your dead deity was dragging this little reveal out for you. Far be it for me to interfere in some other entity's private business, but when they start messing with your dreams, I feel they're encroaching on my domain just a little bit. Whoa. 
You got the voice down, all right. But uh, clearly not Balmain. Mm. So who am I speaking to then? Mm. I mean, I think you know, Tommy. I think you do know. You're right, I'm not Balmain. Or I am in some ways, I suppose you could say. But I understand your meaning. I am exactly who you fear I am. I am... I am your good friend's deity, I suppose you could say. I am the Whispering Man. And I don't think you and I have really had a proper conversation. No, too right. I don't think we have, have we? Well, I guess you know rather a little, rather more than, about me than I know about you, don't you? Because this clearly is something that I myself did not know about me. And here you are, mm. bearing all. Yes, I, I hope you didn't mind. I thought you'd... Well... I thought you should know. I wasn't quite certain why this was being kept from you, but do with this information as you will. Consider it free on me. Well, fair enough, as long as it is free. I'm not looking to be on the hook for anything. Yeah. Now look, I'm guessing, you know, putting two and two together, not man like me, this gentleman here, if this is all a, a memory, Therefore, I can't really interact with it or do anything about it. The gentleman here is my father. And the woman who ran out crying was my mother. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, but you don't have to tell me. I'm not taking any any deals here today. But uh, who is he? Any idea? Oh, yes, I do know who this man is. And you are correct there, Tommy. He is your father. And that poor woman who ran out of here was your mum. This was the last time they saw each other, I believe. Okay. Well, fair enough then. Uh, just gonna kind of Tommy's gonna wander over to the gentleman and have a bit of a look at him. He hasn't yet turned round to look at Valmin, or whispering Valmin. Mm-hmm. Um, just yet. He's just gonna going up to inspect the guy, looking around, taking taking it all in. Mm. So is this, uh, is this prick still alive then? Oh, he's most definitely still alive, yes. Mm. And still located around Zephira, I'm guessing. <laughs> ah, well, I think that might have to be the end of free information, you know. I don't mind telling you a few things, but if we're going to have more of a conversation about things you're interested in, then we might have to change the scope of this. I hope you don't mind. Well, you know, just just asking while we're here, having a chat, you know, not really uh, up for making any deals, as I said before. But uh, if you were willing to tell me, I was willing to know. Mm. Not entirely sure I care at this point, but uh, there we are. And I'm just going to kind of I'm going to make an investigation check on him if I can. The um, not not um, whispering Valmin, but um, my dad. Sure, sure. And just see what I can learn about him, his dress, anything at all while I've still got this vision. Sure, sure. Go for it. Uh, it's a natural one, so forget that. Uh, <laughs> natural one. Yeah, I mean, you're no, you're no expert at uh, investigating clothing or trying to uh, tell these little details that might give you some more information about this person. Taking a look at him, a good look, now that you're a bit closer and he doesn't seem to be reacting to you in any way, you see a bit of yourself in this man. Perhaps the the cut of the jaw, the slight hook of the nose. You, you see Tommy, the face that you look at in the mirror, just just vaguely 
reflected in this man, and it gives you enough to think that, yeah, he, he probably is your father. But anything else that she could tell, unfortunately, with a, with a natural one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I figured as much. Um, so, uh, is he sat to the desk at the moment? Um, he is sat in like a large armchair, like, and he's turned it slightly so that it's just facing out of a window that looks out over, Var- over Varadin. Okay, so um, I'm just going to aim a swift kick at his balls. Um, sure. You swing and kick, and as your leg makes contact, nothing seems to change. Like, your leg stops, and you don't really feel anything. It's like it's frozen in this little sliver of reality, and he doesn't react. You can see he's breathing, and he just takes a sip of the brandy, but it's like it didn't happen. Yeah, well, worth a try. Wanted to stop him sorrowing any more bastards. Okay, then, so, these charades over. Uh, thanks for that, uh, presuming, of course, it was, in fact, real. Uh, so, what do you want with me, then? You know, honestly, Tommy, I was just a little bit curious. As I say, we've not really had much of a chance to speak before, and you're an interesting little mortal. <laughs> and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean it truly. You are quite interesting. How's that, then? Well, I didn't bring you here to offer you something, Tommy. No promise for me to fulfill, nor future to enact. In many ways, I don't really think I need to. Because, you see, you and I, we align far more than you realize. Perhaps in another time, in another version of events, you would have been the first chosen. But, alas... Things will play out as I know they will. Oh, is that right then? I'm uh, I'm so predictable, am I? I'm a, I'm that follower, am I? That you thought you'd you'd have as your first. Could it could it following me? Well, I wouldn't call it following. No, no, I, I think you misunderstand my role in things. You see, Tommy. Right? Oh yes, people who follow me, who do what I want, do so because that's what they want to do. They offer things, they request things, and I'm more than happy to grant it. And, yes, sometimes I will take a price. Most things I'm happy to offer freely if they're small, something of interest. But when they ask for larger things, I will ask for more from them. That's fair, is it not? You're a man who understands a good trade. So, so you're just a businessman then, you're telling me? You're just a cosmic businessman who, uh... Offers trade deals. Is that right? <laughs> I suppose that's one way to look at it. At least that's one part of my role, I guess. And uh, just just like a uh, yeah, CEO of a large corporation, you're of course uh, completely benevolent and uh, you know have no hidden agendas at all. Hmm. I don't know if you'd call me benevolent. No. Um. No. I don't think I would either. I'll be honest with you. It's honestly hard to convey exactly what I am to you. And I don't mean that as an insult on your intelligence. I don't think there's many, if any, mortals that could truly understand what I am. I'm looking like this to talk to you because this makes sense in your mind. If I tried to show you anything more, I'm afraid you'd... you'd be quite a bit worse for wear. (laughs) Ah, that old chestnut, yeah. Well... You saw how close your friends started getting to 
information beyond this realm and the effects it had on him in the longer run. It's an unfortunate side effect, I'm afraid. I mean, I can tell you truths, I can tell you how things are really working and why they happen, but the more you learn, the more frayed your grip on things becomes, and that manifests in various ways. Right, but, but see, I know, I know why corporations do it. I know why, uh, why the big CEOs and the, uh, yeah, the nobles and all that, why they either they pretend to care, why they make deals, and it's all about profit. It's all about margins. It's all about you know, or it's about power and it's about control. It's about being the biggest, you know, biggest boy in the playground. It's about that kind of thing. Now. What I'm struggling to understand, and kind of what I've been struggling to understand really since I heard of, first heard about you, what's in it for you? Why are you doing this? You know, you're some great cosmic entity that I couldn't even begin to fathom. You know, to look on you, I would lose my mind. So, we're just trifling little mortals to you. We're just chess pieces on a board, not even that. We're just, just ants in an anthill. Why the fuck do you care about us? Who are we to you? What's our reality? If it's nothing to you, then then why are you here? Why are you talking to me? I'm guessing you're talking to my friends as well. Why? Are we going to fuck up your plans? If so, how? We're just pathetic little mortals, aren't we? To you? Oh, very true. You are just little mortals to me. And it's a good question. It's a very good question. Why am I bothering? I mean, on one hand... I've always enjoyed talking to you lesser races, you little creatures, you motes of light in the darkness. It's interesting for me. Most of my kin don't particularly care to speak to you. They'll wipe out your world just because they moved through it. <laughs> they existed and you all died, I guess is a, a common occurrence. But me, I, I like to talk to you. Because it's, it's fun in some ways, you know, to see how you react, to see what happens when I tell you things that others might want to keep from you. You see, this, this world I'm looking at now, your world, it's damaged, I suppose you could say. All of your little worlds come out damaged to some degree or another, and... It's part of my job to complete the cycle of this world, all of them, all these realities, and it's what's always going to happen, I suppose you could say. These slivers of existence that people like you wander about in, they come from us originally. I don't think I could tell you whether it was intentional or not. You see... I'll use this term so that you understand it, but I want to be clear that it's not quite this relationship. Your slivers of existence come from my father. They spin off into the great void as he dreams and moves and thinks his thoughts. <laughs> I can't really put them into words for you, I'm afraid. Your tongue is limited, but let's just say that it all stems from that nuclear chaos at the beginning of all things. And your little worlds go off, and they do what they do. Life comes, cycles come, 
things play out. And eventually, you rejoin us. You become part of us. You, your sliver of existence, becomes a part of our dream. And that's just how it is. When the time is right, that's what will occur. Your world, however, <laughs> caught my attention from all of those out there, all of those little motes in the darkness, all of those bright little sparks. I saw yours and I got to thinking that it's broken. Something's wrong with it. And through speaking to you little mortals and through casting my sight about, I finally got a good view of exactly what's going on here and what needs fixing. So I'm going to make sure it gets fixed and that we move your little existence forward. Before we, before I do that, I'm just going to take a um, an insight check to see if Tommy well, believes anything he's just been told. Sure. Uh, seven. Not rolling great seven. today, but I wanted to roll some dice. Last week. That's fair enough. Got two dice rolls in already. We're doing better yeah. than last week. Um, I'm year seven. This creature, this entity, speaks in such a way that you could have been a master at telling whether someone lies or not, and you honestly wouldn't have been able to tell. This thing has no tells. It is inscrutable. As far as you can tell, looking at this thing with a seven, this is Valmin telling you the God's honest truth. You know for certain it's not Valmin. It's admitted that it's not Valmin. But there's a little part of your brain that says, nope, this is Valmin. It's too perfect. It's too dead on. This is Valmin. This is, he's here somehow. This is real. It's very difficult that even when you know that what you're being presented with isn't exactly accurate, that it isn't the truth. You know what I mean? It's too good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so you're here. Perhaps benevolent wasn't the right word, but you're here with a purpose of salvation. You want to fix our world. And you want to do that before it gets absorbed into uh, like a moat into whatever it is, whispering seniors arsehole or something. You know, we um we just exist cuz um as he made us, and we're going to go away. And so what's the point in fixing this? Why? You know, I suppose in some ways I just don't like to see our creation befouled. I suppose in other ways, I think what they're doing to you is quite cruel. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't normally pay this much attention. But since you got my attention, I want to see what I can do to resolve it, to fix the problem. And then... When the problem is fixed, we all live happily ever after, or we all get absorbed. How's that? Hmm. Well, when it's all said and done, your reality will become part of ours, but I suppose for you mortals, you little bits of sentience, you'll continue on as you were supposed to, eternally. So, for our sentience then will continue as it were Indeed. and what no more struggles no more strife in life it's going to be a perfect utopia is that what you're saying well each one of you can create the world you want to create and that world will differ per person you see 
Sometimes slipping into a dream is a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. I'm sure you've had evenings where you've woken up terrified, pale, sweating through your bedsheets, and your own mind inflicted that upon you. It did it for reasons. Perhaps you're putting something off, perhaps you're stressed out about something, but it still occurred. Whereas the next night you might have a lovely little vision. All the things you want laid out before you and you just get to enjoy it for eight hours. I suppose you could think of it like that. Where you'll be taken, what you become a part of, will be shaped by you. It'll be good, it'll be bad, but it'll be what you want, whether you realise it or not. Something along the uh, dreamland, I think Rogar mentioned, something like that, or something different. That would be exactly the place. Your reality will join all the others that have already gone there. The countless infinites that make up the dreamlands. Okay, so we're just we're just biding time till we join the dreamlands, is that what you're saying? Basically. Indeed. I'll be honest, I think some of your some of your smarter folks may have had theories about this they sometimes call it the far realm. I prefer our name for it, but you know, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I yes. guess so. I guess so. So here's the thing. Here's the thing that that kind of doesn't sit right with me, right? So, so the point of existence, right? People try and make it up. It's about gods. It's about serving your time. Some people think it's a kind of purgatory where you you show you're a good person and you get to go to the the gods' little heaven and stuff and um, have a have a happy old time, you know drinking whatever loving your family floating on a cloud some bullshit like that and all that's that's all well and good and, and what you're saying is basically it's something like that but it's we all go to this heaven and it's it's your own place so some people go uh go to their own hell some people go to their own heaven all that kind of thing but the problem with that and the problem with dreams in my opinion is that kind of what's what happens after you spend a bit of time there you know and you get used to it and that's Every day's bliss or every day's torture. It becomes a new normal, doesn't it? And what then? Are you just, just going to keep making it better, keep making it worse? What if you can't? What if that's it? It's like with life. Life's supposed to be shit, isn't it? You're supposed to be striving against sometime impo- sometimes impossible tasks, pushing forward, growing as a person, learning, loving, having children maybe, rising up, doing the best you can, being knocked down again and all that ends and eventually reaching the end and hopefully you reach the end surrounded by loved ones or friends and perhaps reach the end surrounded by buckets of money I, I could go for that but there's an end there's a point it's Tommy's word of the day teleological you know there's a fixed point you will die and then nothing but here you're saying we live on forever in a stream of consciousness I'm not sure I want that. It's curious how much all of you have ended up writing your little lives around this concept of dying. It's interesting to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, it's uh, it's one of the only certains in life, isn't it? Death. And what if I told you that that was the mistake? You're not supposed to exist just to die. You're not supposed to just be a blip, a moment in your concept of time. This... This world that you built up here, this cycle of life and death and losing those around you and fading away 
That isn't how it's supposed to work. That's a, a flaw. And those who pretend to run this little reality like to keep it that way because it benefits them. They just keep that flaw built in, you know? <laughs> and I don't think that's particularly fair. But surely there are times when you want to die. Badly maimed, brain gone to mush, in constant agony. Surely, surely you'd want to end it unless those things are going to become immaterial. In which case, how are you going to learn? How are you going to grow if you can't... If there's no consequence to your actions, the ultimate consequence, I mean... If I couldn't die, I'd just do whatever the fuck I wanted, wouldn't I? Go up to a guy, stab him, punch him, take what I wanted... Surely it'd be constant an anarchy as, you know, fuckers just came in, took whatever they want, fought back, no one can fucking die. Chucking people off the roof and stuff, smashing windows, driving through. Unless, unless of course, in this reality, you say it's everyone's individual one. We're all in our own little bubble, never interacting with anyone else. I suppose you could think of it that way. There are ways to interact. Or you could simply not realize that you're not interacting with anyone that hasn't come from your own thoughts. That's the thing with a dream, it's kind of hard to differentiate. No matter how long you're there, no matter how many lives you live, if you want to create a life where you suffer and it ends, and then you start over again, that's possible. But that little mote of consciousness that makes you what you are, doesn't have to be snuffed out. It doesn't have to disappear. It can continue. And not chained to some deity's concept of an afterlife. Not absorbed into something's power. That that makes you you can continue. In your world, following your rules. My rules are what you make of them. I am not prescriptive. I don't tend the dreamlands as it were it exists and you would exist there i don't really care what you do i mean you say that but uh you clearly have come to care about this world you'd say you don't take an interest normally that is true i normally arrive when things are getting close to the end and i usher that along i speak for all of my kin I speak for my father, I speak for my brothers and sisters. Their voice comes through me, for I am their messenger. How'd you get on with the old family? Uh, got a, got a relationship like me and my dad, or are you a bit more, a bit closer? <laughs> I guess you'd say we're quite a bit closer. In many ways, we are extensions of one, but also individual. It is a difficult concept to put across to you, I suppose, but I am both he and not, as are all my kin. Uh, it sounds like some god stuff to me, to be honest. As some of them gods bang, wang on about that, don't they? One of many, three-headed beast, something like that. Right, okay. So, what it all comes down to is you, you've taken an interest, you want us out of this, um, God bothering, we do, and instead free to live our existence out in a world of dreams. 
See, I'm a, I'm a bit of a bit more of a, a practical man. I don't go for um, those kind of highbrow concepts. Although it's been quite an interesting um, theological discussion with you. I don't know. People live and then they die. That's how it's always been where I come from. I think it's quite good people die. At least the ones I don't like. I don't like killing people particularly, but some of the fuckers deserve it. I don't particularly like the fact that uh, the idea that some of these absolute colossal cunts get to live on in their own little fantasies. Also, like, here's the thing, right? So, say you win. Old plan goes successful. Good fucking job. Alright, boys, uh, into the dreamlands. And uh, here you go, here's your own fucking world. Do we have any memory of the land before time? Or is it just existence dream moment? We'd think that you, those of you that make the transition would probably have memories of this life for a while. I guess after a few thousand years, maybe longer, that'll all just start to fade. You won't really get a, a firm grasp on what once was merely what has been. I mean, this life here is so small compared to what lies before you. If my understanding of how your minds work, what is normal now will soon seem like the dream. <laughs> what if, what if we do after three, four, five thousand years, whatever, decide that we actually do want to die? Is that possible? Hmm. You could certainly give up your form fade away, let your collection of self disperse if you truly wished it you would in essence simply become a part of the dreamlands but your active consciousness would fade you wouldn't be bound to serve you'd merely make up the weave of that reality I guess I could put it I just, I guess my problem in all of this is you, is we give up our gods on this planet for the new gods. We may not know we're worshipping them, but our existence fuels them, is part of them, is their domain. The god is dead, long live the new god, you know. I guess when it comes down to it, I just don't like being told what to do. <laughs> See, that's what I like about you, Tommy. I like that you don't like being told what to do. It's why I find it such a shame that you don't see the chains around your neck. And it's a pity, but you're going to do what you're going to do regardless of what I say. Perhaps you do find what I'm pushing out there as interesting. And perhaps it will change how you act in the future, but that's up to you. Yeah, perhaps. But look, you say that, I don't, don't know the chains around my neck. Believe me, mate, I do. I do. But I'm fighting against him. And there's no way you're ever going to catch me fighting against the chains around my neck just to subserviently put some fucking new ones on. So I may fight, but I'm not fighting for you. I'll fight for anybody else but myself and perhaps, perhaps my mates, perhaps my allies, perhaps I'll fight their battles too. But someone who thinks of us as little people, playthings, I'm never going to be on your side, mate. But... Thanks for the chat, and uh, oh, by the way, I, I did appreciate seeing Andrew again. That was that was nice of you. I don't know if that was you, but it, it felt like him. I, I thought uh, you'd appreciate the conversation. 
it was a it's a nice chat, nice to have a pint with him and stuff. Uh, felt like being home, you know. So yeah, I appreciate that and um, appreciate the uh, lack of torture and you know lack of um, too much grandstanding on your part. Just explaining how it is. It's uh, you know it was interesting and uh, yeah, I'll definitely uh, definitely bear that in mind. Although um, wow, well, you already know my position. Oh, as I say, you're an interesting one and. I didn't necessarily see much point in trying to convince you of one thing or another. Probably for the best, mate. I do just have to say, and I hope you don't take this as a threat. I want you to understand that your concept of time in this reality is quite limited to me. I don't know how you mortals can not stand knowing about events before they occur. It's quite odd. <laughs> So I want you to understand when I say this to you, this isn't a, a threat of what I'm going to do. It's merely what's going to happen. Because you might not want to fight for my banner in this particular conflict, and that's fine. But there are only two sides to things, and the further you and your friends go, the more you seem to be putting yourself in my followers way and I can only promise you that if that continues if you do try to get in their way I'm afraid the only future I see for you is one filled with pain one filled with loss more than I think even you can bear Tommy I know you've started to get used to the idea of being the survivor even though I know at times it keeps you up at night, makes your hands shake just a little bit. And I can only say that that's all going to get a lot worse before all this ends. I don't do it to scare you. I hope you understand. It's just how it's going to be. Well, uh, cheers for the pep talk. Uh, feel a lot better now. Uh, well, so, just one, one final question from me, really. So, say whatever happens, I die tomorrow, whatever. Is my spirit going to end up in your uh, your dreamlands world then? Or do I fuck off to the ether of nothingness? Hmm. Or, well, right now, if you were to die, let's say, immediately, I think Baal has a claim on your soul. He's going to take that and use it for his own means. Um, Is that because I used to... for you. Because I use a dagger. Um, not exactly. Unfortunately, you have a bit of a uh, cursed bloodline, you could call it. Your father over there, and he kind of nods to the man, is what I uh, believe is referred to in your world as a bar spawn. A little bit of an experiment to keep your dead deity alive, and means those he sires carries a diluted part of that blood, and unfortunately. <laughs> For people like yourself, your choice is taken from you. It merely means that Baal called dibs on your soul before you even learn to walk. And, well, if you are going to try to keep this world how it is, I'm afraid that's where you're going to end up. Well, shit. I'm glad Rogar's dead, so he didn't find that out. Um... <laughs> uh, okay, then. But then, should you win... Subsequent to that, uh, Baal get uh, Baal fox off entirely because uh, that's kind of your mo. 
then does my uh, spirit end up in your dreamland world? Hmm. Well, the transition would be easier if you still had a mortal form and a full semblance of consciousness. I can't promise that when I bring the current afterlifes into our reality that they'll all survive intact. But you know, fingers crossed for you. Alright then, sweet. So nothing to lose then. Fair play. Uh, mm. Of course you could just be scattered across reality and end up as nothing in the void, but... Well, I mean, to be fair, chance. that was... That was that was what I was hoping for anyway. That was that was option one. So, you know, option two, I end up where I'd be even if I followed you. So, you know, uh, yeah, pretty pretty happy. Thanks for that. Oh no. Also, uh, thanks for going into a bit more detail about about my father as well. That was uh, useful and um, hmm. yes, frustrating but useful. Well, I'm always one to give information. We don't really see much of a point in holding it back. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I saw some of that. Uh, perhaps a little bit too much information for Rogar sometimes. Ah, uh, well, we give what is asked of us, and whether you can handle that is a a different matter. Although it was it was, it was pretty pretty funny putting a stone in his shoe while he was um out for ten minutes. Hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> a, little, a little bit too small, perhaps, on the prank scale, but uh, pretty funny nonetheless. Hmm. <laughs> You know, you you might notice that Tommy's being very glib, um, just just out, out of character for a moment, and um, this is because you know, as as mentioned before, Tommy is um, Tommy is so far outside of his comfort zone that he's just effectively stopped caring. Hmm. Kind of, kind of at, at that point where, like, you know, you can't even see your comfort zone, so it's just like I don't care anymore. Whatever, a little, a little bit like he was in the Wizard's Tower, just kind of like, yep, yep. This 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 is fucking bonkers. So I'm just gonna keep chatting, <laughs> like, and 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 hope hope that like reality and terror never quite kick in again. <laughs> well then, Tommy, as you uh, end up there, Balmin smiles at you and just goes, "Well, as I say, it was nice to finally talk. Good to know where we all stand in these things, and if." You do change your mind, and it all gets a little bit too much to keep going down this path you've chosen. Do call out to one of my representatives in your world. I'm sure we can strike up a deal then. Sure you probably can. Uh, well, if that's all then, cheerio. As you say that, you blink, and everything goes dark, and all three of you open your eyes... Ooh. And you feel absolutely atrocious. You feel like you have been put through about ten more rounds with that in Sinus. Um, <laughs> those memories that you were reliving for you played over and over again for you don't know how long. And it's almost like it seemed to get worse as time went on, as you inflicted wounds and slaughter and just wholesale butchery upon that village. Every replaying of it seemed worse than the last, which isn't normal, but it's probably not something that you could even really consider. It's just a whole mess of awful. And for you, Sophia, you feel worn out, exhausted, and 
there is a lingering sense of sadness when you open your eyes. You don't have a firm grip on what exactly just happened from the blink of being in the lodge to where you are right now. But you feel a sense of loss. You feel as if perhaps you were shown something that you now can't quite remember and that it was devastating. And when you try picture it in your mind, it just draws up a blank, but you feel a few tears run down your cheek and you just can't tell why. Tommy, you actually don't feel too bad, exhausted, like you need to sleep or uh, get some coffee or something, I don't know, but uh, you feel weak. And obviously you're all still wounded and burned and battered from the uh, recent fog. Which, out of the three of them, you don't feel too bad. The three of you are actually sat in the cave entrance that the Yetis ran out uh, a few, well, about an hour or so when you first entered this cave. You're sat near the snow, slightly in the light of day, and as you all open your eyes, you see Rorik sat just at the cave entrance with his uh, warhammer in hand, kind of keeping a watch, and you see R4 there as well, doing the same thing. As you look around, getting a sense of things, at one point you will glance up to the heavens and you see that the black star looks to be closer and there is a slight green tinge to the colour of the sky and all of you are filled with this just oppressive and looming sense of dread. As you're all starting to move around, you know, check your weapons, see you're in one piece, check your wounds, Rurik and R4 hear you, and turn around, and uh, R4 first goes, Father, you are alive! Hello, mate, tell me we were on the lash last night, and this is all just one horrible hangover. <sighs> and Rurik uh, kind of solemnly sort of shakes his head and goes, I know that was uh, quite a... Uh, peculiar moment down there with the three of you. You all started losing your minds, crying, screaming. One of you tried to run into the magma. It was crazed for a moment. Then all three of you just dropped to the floor. Me and your uh, mechanical friend here, we dragged you back out to the surface to try to get as far away from those uh, fires and flames as quickly as we could. And then you've just been lying there crying and babbling and screaming incoherently for the past hour or so. Oh, I'm guessing I didn't dream it then, but I uh, don't know if you guys did, but I had a bit of a chat with uh, our whispering friend. Well, I'm still crying, but I do nod. I was going to say, I think Dick is probably trying to sit in a dark corner, because I don't hate dreaming anyway. <laughs> 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 um, and Dick probably doesn't know who the Whispering Man is properly still, so... <laughs> right, don't, don't, don't tell me you guys, either of you guys took his deal, did you? I'm guessing he offered you something. I mean, uh, he Dick... could offer me anything and I still wouldn't take it, you know me. I think Dick will just be, like, shaking his head, but looking kind of, uh, say, more sheepish than usual. Alright, well, that's, that's good at least. Yeah, he um, made a lot of... Uh, uh, he made a lot of sense, though. Don't get me wrong, I didn't agree with his logic, but he seems logical, you know. I can see why uh, weaker minds than ours might have been taken in. 
<laughs> I was hoping that would get a laugh out of Sophia. It's, it's just, that's just, just a low blow, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even here to defend himself. No, he's not, but I'm trying to bolster the morale of those that have just survived. So, yeah. um, I'm hoping Dick takes some solace from that, me saying, you know, he's strong. And mm-hmm. uh, he looks... You're right, mate. You, uh, you look a bit... Uh, like you've lost the colour. And I can tell that even with the uh, face paint. I'm kind of looking at Dick now. Dick, uh, Dick no, no deal, but Dick have horror. So much horror. Oh, shit, mate. Well, sounds like they were definitely weren't all the same then. I, I just had a, a bit of a chat. What do I remember, Cookson? Do I, do I just feel that loss? Do I remember much of the specifics? You remember the, uh, the specifics of your conversation in the lodge, yeah. but you feel like there's a gap between where that ended and you waking up okay. now. Um, so to Tommy, he showed me a pipe dream and then he kept talking and talking. Saying how my god was an arsehole, basically. I mean, for all his whispering man bollocks, he done half ramble. A rambling fucking man. Just on and on. I don't know. Did did he said stuff? Yeah, he said, said quite a lot of stuff to me actually. Um, perhaps it isn't quite the right time to chat about it, but I think he. Uh, well, he seemed pretty truthful, but I don't know whether to believe him. But uh, he said a lot of stuff, told me a lot of stuff, told me a lot about what what his plans are and stuff. And um, Hey. Sorry? Yeah, really? Like what? actual plans and shit? Yeah. I had... It didn't seem like he had much to hide and it didn't seem to matter too much to him whether I knew or not. And... Did you have uh, Solara? What, in my dream? Yeah. No, no, I had Andrew, mate. Oh, Andrew. Yeah. Had a pint with Handrel. It was it was awesome. He's a ledge. What you mean, whispering Handrel? Well, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like Handrel. At least, if if whispering man was talking for him, he was channeling Handrel pretty well. And he told me some stuff about Handrel that I didn't know. So I don't know, mate. But you know, perhaps it was a it was a dream. But it was it was a nice dream. You know, hmm. chatting with a mate. You, did you dream about Solara? Yeah, Solara was wanging on, chatting shit. <laughs> and I'm guessing, Dick, you uh, you met some faces from your past as well. Um, Dick? Dick not so short his past or other guy past? And it's like looking at his hand, making sure it's his. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this something to do with uh, when you were wearing a different face? And Tommy, Tommy kind of looks at him with a knowing, because Tommy remembers um, wearing a different face as well. Dick, think maybe Dick. Mm. Dick, Dick, think. Yes. Mm. Yeah. We, we, we finish with Cave. Oh, I don't fancy going back in there. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was just the three of us. Or did you see anything coming out of that island thing? You mean that strange druid summoning portal yeah. thing? Because uh, we saw, we definitely saw something coming out of that. Yep, there was a creepy fucking faceless, faceless thing. thing that came out. Did you see that? You didn't. Um, I 
I remember the large rocky magma thing that attacked us, and then um, we defeated that just uh, just in the nick of time, Sophia. Thank you. I think I was about to be toasted. But uh, you all looked over at the portal, and I looked there too, and I thought I saw some like little liquidy sort of tentacles come out of it, but then that was right. You all started just going completely mad. Okay, so uh, he didn't want to speak to you then, I'm guessing. And Perhaps, or uh, R4. Sorry? Or R4. Wow, yeah. Perhaps perhaps you're too far gone in your worship of your, your god, and R4 can't really worship gods because he's a box. No offence, robot buddy. Untaken. I do not need your foolish human deities. Exactly. See, he's a machine, he'll live forever. Precisely, Master. I will watch you turn to dust. Yeah. So I, I, t- I can turn you off if I wanted to, but I don't. And I give him a wink to show that was playful. So there was, I'm guessing nothing else was there, nothing came out, there was no loot. <laughs> Tommy looks up at the mention of loot. Works <laughs> <laughs> as, um,. Well, when you all started going berserk, the magma started rolling up and starting to explode, and I thought it was getting a bit dangerous down there. I was concerned the whole cave was going to flood. So we grabbed you and pulled you out before you got yourselves injured. Um, I did notice your hand was glowing mighty strange, Sophia. I don't really know what that is. Hmm. I then look down. And yeah, I mean, you look at your hand, and there is this little moat of fire, just as you... Turn your hand around, it's, it's just floating there, like a little flame. And you get a strong magical feeling from this fire. This isn't just um, like a continual flame of some degree. This isn't a spell. This is almost a living enchantment, something that has been left over by the Incinus as a final gift for freeing it. And you get the feeling that if you were to place this in this motor flame onto a weapon or a piece of armor, it might have an effect of one kind or another. Mm, that's exciting. Yeah, that is. And <laughs> 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 um, I, I was like, uh, getting a feeling, sexual feeling, sexual feeling <laughs> i was thinking i got the magic in me but um <laughs> each their own um yeah. right well yeah so uh looks like you got a free enchantment uh yeah and uh thanks for pulling us out i guess i mean if it's filling up with hot stuff i guess we don't want to go back yeah no i'd like to give it a miss if that's all right uh, onwards and upwards you just have to hope whatever that stone giant we're doing has been buried with everything else down there. Well, fingers crossed he's dead now anyway. Mm. So so what exactly are you lot talking about? What were you speaking to? What what happened? So you uh you recall the, uh, we mentioned uh, a former colleague of ours was a follower of this whispering man. I remember you saying. Well, it transpires the whispering man wanted to have a bit of a chat with us. Um, I think it was a bit of a uh, bit of a recruitment drive. Obviously, he'd uh, 
noticed we were doing quite well and uh, fancied doing a bit of headhunting, see if we uh, wanted to change firms. Uh, About that, I mean, why? Why is he bothering with us? He kept wanging on about the fact that we don't actually mean anything and that I can't kill him. Oh, by the way, in his version of the world, I kill Kalimvor. Like that. Really? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I mean, that seems uh, unlikely. Yeah, highly unlikely. But, so... If he's so powerful, why don't he kill Kellenvor himself, for fuck's sake? Well, I think it's exactly what he's planning to do. But uh, I don't think he likes getting his hands dirty very much. I think he'd rather get he's minions. He's outsourcing, is he? he? He's, you know, he's 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 one of them. He's a uh, he's a senior manager. He has the vision, and he um, he employs other people to do the dirty work, get their hands um, dirty, do the actual job. He's 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 a visionary. He's a you know strategic leadership. Um, He's the executive. It's weird. I mean, we've had dealings with him before. Of course, I've had my dreams. He's done all kinds of shit to you through, like, the King Yellow. But he's coming after Dick. Coming, yeah. I, well, that's true, actually. I actually, guess, I, I guess yeah. we're all... <sighs> I don't know what other forces are allied against him, but perhaps we're the, um, we're the spearhead. We're the ones that actually know probably the most. Certainly, the dwarf I, uh, man did say that we are pivotal to this. The dwarf man. Is he dwarf? Halfling. Half man. Halfling. Sorry? The halfling man. Oswald. That's it. Our uh, friendly mage in a tower. Yes, he did, didn't he? Uh, well, look, he gave me, he, I asked him exactly that question. Why the fuck does he give a shit? And he said, because he's taken an interest in this world, he doesn't like the fact that... Uh, the gods push us around, and he doesn't like the fact that we die, basically. And he wants us to live on in his dreamlands as spirits in our own little fantasies. And he normally doesn't care, but he does care this time. And it's only because he's taking a little interest, because he doesn't like the fact that the gods are pretending to be something that they are not as powerful as him in. And they are upstarts, and you know what it's like. He wants to crush the competition, doesn't he? Oh, he's full of bollocks. And it's not just him, apparently. It's uh, He's got brothers, he's got sisters, he's got a dad, interestingly. Didn't Ooh. know that. Well, I mean, he said it was in ways that my tiny little human mind could, you know, understand. So perhaps not, but uh, at least in some sense, he has a dad. Yeah, I'm going to say it's incest. Probably, could be. He said he was like one of them um, many-faced gods. You know, he's, he is he is one and the same as his dad. And he's also, you know, your mum's your dad, your dad's your mum, all that. Um, so, yeah, incest. He seems a bit bit keen, you know. He really, he really wants us. Well, good on us for telling him to fuck off. Yeah, I mean, I, I he didn't try and win me over. I think he knew knew it was pretty futile. You know, I'm not a, not a big follower, uh, but he did. For all that, he did talk a good game. What about you, Dick? Did he? Uh, what did he offer you, mate? Dick, uh, Dick, have chance to uh, forget horror and find Montel. Oh, he's yeah, it's Montel guy. Yeah. Well, but, uh, Dick say no, and Dick threatened to kill weird creature. Ah, yeah. 
it's probably a smart move. Although, after all, you do. Trust me, yeah. Following down his path isn't exactly straightforward and certainly wouldn't. Um, it may make you forget one horror, but you'll have plenty more to remember. Me, me. Dick, uh, Dick not really consider that. Dick just know the truth will set you free. But if I forget truth, then how can Dick be free? Yeah, that's hey. true, mate. You learn from your mistakes, and if you don't know you made the mistakes in the first place, how can you not make them again? That's very, uh, very astute of you, mate. Now, uh, Dick Vinker, uh, let's talk more climb. This, uh, you know, not, not safe. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got a shrine to, uh, go to and a, um, heart to liberate. Out of character? Yep. Was that what, no, what, what, why did we, what did we promise to, um, buddy here? To Dick? No, to Rourke. To Rorik, that we'd we'd go and investigate the cave. Was it just no, the no, no. cave? Or he, was it no, like... he wanted us to do something else. We're supposed to be taking him somewhere, aren't we? Are we? Well, I thought, I thought... he he wants to uh, save his brother, but he doesn't know what that is. So he okay. his main goal is taking down. Um, he hasn't really actually talked to you guys too much about why he cares about this, apart from his his deity pointing him in this direction. But um, his goal seems to be taking down the giants for some reason. It might be might be worth us kind of on our way having a bit of a chat and finding out what his motivation is, but um, in the kind of in the yeah, I think I think he wanted us to come up to this cave, didn't he? Because he was he was worried about what would driven the um, yetis down. That was yeah, it. and that he and, might come through us after we pass yeah, it, bite, bite us in the ass. And I think we found it. So I think that quest is complete. I don't particularly fancy going back in to double check, but. Um, no, no. Uh, yeah. Well, he said he was filling with magma, so probably yeah, not. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's just, just say we did the job. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess we're going to um, gonna head back towards the heart with him and hopefully and perhaps on the way have a bit of a chat about. Um, so, what led you to the Grim North? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you guys uh, are uh, resolving to head on then? I'd, ah. I would, well, I would, I I would suggest... Was- I would yeah. suggest we find somewhere fairly soon soon to yes. have a bit of a rest. Yes, let us rest. We are very uh, hurt. I mean, I mean, perhaps actually, it's not a bad idea if we leave um, R four on doing a bit of watch to um, to rest by the mouth of this cave. Seeing as the Yetis were running away from it, they're not likely to try and run back anytime soon. That's a fair shout. Hmm. I mean, we've already stayed here for an hour or so. Yeah, we presume we know what we've dealt with. Um, in the, and, and that filling with magma and nothing else is going to come. But if it does, at least R four can drop us an early warning. Plus, I think I think. Um, do you have a weapon of warning anyway, Dick? I do. I do. So yeah, you'll be fine so, as well. Yes. No. Uh, well, me and my allies can't be surprised. So. Cool. I can't be so. surprised except for when I'm asleep. Apparently. So yeah. So we 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 should be relatively okay here. Um, I feel like of all the places in the mountains that, that are the safest to have a kip, probably right near where the danger we just killed. Hmm. Cool. So, uh, so sorry, is this is this a short rest or a long rest? Are you guys planning to move out under cover of darkness, or are you just taking? What time an hour? is it? Uh, at the moment, it's a bit past midday. You're getting into oh, the oh shit. But how 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 is everyone looking? Bad. I mean, I can I can I can probably do with a short rest, but um, I'd be all right. But it's up to you guys, really. I'll take a short rest just because, well, Dick doesn't sleep. So, 
Yeah. Is he going to be sleeping after that? No. Not many spells left. Ooh, but yeah, yeah, short rest be fine. Okay, well, hit dice, then. yeah, and then we'll just we'll, we'll rest with stuff to find somewhere to, to camp down for the night later Four on. So it's like roughly like two p.m. ish at the minute. Yeah, so it's a little bit early to have a, to go down for the yeah, night. Yeah, it re- yeah, it really is too early. And and, and we probably don't want to be blundering around the mountains in the darkness. Uh, uh, Dick well with his D twelve hit die. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm gonna roll some hit die. So that's oh, oh, nice. One oh seven. One hundred and seven out of one two five. Yeah, I'll stop there. So you all take a little bit of time to. Uh, Apply some soothing ointments to your terrible burns. Bandage up any uh, lingering slash marks from flaming scimitars. And uh, get the frost out of your hair from the earlier uh, abominable yeti's frost breath. And you all feel a little bit better. <laughs> we, had a, we had a little song of ice and fire, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's... Um, it's... Before we move on during that hour, Sophia, are you using your enchantment on anything? Or are you just saving it for now? What have, you, what have you got, Sash? What have we got that might be useful to be enchanted? I mean, could I use it on Final Death? Can, can I guess the question yeah. is, yeah. Can, can you enchant when it's already enchanted? I mean, I could try it, but... Would, would, would Sophia know that? I would say if you try to apply it to something that's already got an enchantment, which might be your first thought, it unfortunately doesn't take. Okay. Well, I, have some, I have something that needs an enchantment. <laughs> Oh, do you? He did say armor. He did say armor. He did say, uh, my niece... <laughs> what? I'm just thinking that applying a, f- a flaming enchantment to armor sets anything you wear on light, you know. Oh, no, he just said armor, so I thought... I know, I know. <laughs> you ever heard of a bad enchantment? Anybody else play Morrowind and enchant a ring of, like, to, to steal one hit point um, every second and then give it to a merchant so he puts it on immediately and then <laughs> dies? No! Oh, what? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> in, it, sorry, completely off pod, completely off topic. It, in Morrowind, actually, anybody ever played a really old Elder Scrolls game, but fantastic. Um, anything you sold to a merchant, they would immediately put on. Right. right. So you could enchant a ring um, of like, a ring of vampirism or something like that, which which um, dealt one hit point per second to you. It's quite cheap and cheap enchantment to do because it was only, only a tiny amount of damage. You think, why would anyone want that? But then you you sell it to a merchant for like two gold or something. They put it on and go five, four, three, two, one, blah, and die. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can loot them in their entire shop, and you, you haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and you loot the ring back and go and sell it to the next merchant. I mean, it was pretty good for short term like income options. But then obviously, when you had loads of loot, you couldn't sell it to any merchants because you murdered them all. <laughs> not technically murder actually you, you, you encourage them to kill themselves <laughs> oh Matthew <laughs> fantastic anyway um, I'm guessing I don't know yeah like you say armour I don't know what would a fire moat do to armour I don't know I mean, make pra- it resistant pra- to fire but perhaps I'm just in- trying to encourage you that, that I need it for my, so- my, what, what, my sword what do you need what do you have uh, my rapier I use it all the time, but then any time we end up fighting something which can't do, can't take magical hits, I have to swap it out for a short sword. 
But, Sorry, so, so it's not magical at the moment. It's it's not magical. It is masterwork. Do you remember I tried to get it made magical and then I had to go back through the um, burning angel infested city to go and mm. get it back because we didn't give it quite long enough for it yes. to get enchanted. Yes, I remember now. Mm. Which was a bit annoying. So, um, yeah. But if you want to try it on the armor, you earned it. You got the kill. It's no, it'd probably be a waste. I just don't like giving anything anything away for free. How about we do a Rogar? <laughs> what have I got to trade you? <laughs> yeah, slash. Uh, I get dibs on something else. Uh, I mean, I can, I can, I can offer you a dagger that will appear back in my inventory in a few moments. <laughs> 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 uh, I can, I can offer you. To, you can have the horn of silent alarm if you like. Um, yeah. And you can blow my horn of silent alarm anytime you like. Also, Nash. Jesus. <laughs> this uh, is a cow friendly show. <laughs> is, is it? it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got I've got some fancy clothes. I don't really have anything, but I'll tell you what, you can have dibs on the next thing that I find that I don't immediately have a use for. No, even if I you do have a use for it. You you can you can use it against me in future escapades um when we find loot. I mean I do that I anyway, mean... I'm married to you. Tommy looks stunned. Um, uh, yeah, okay, fine. Let's try it on this fucking rapier then. Okay. Okay, so Tommy, you uh, pass over your rapier and Sophia places the flaming moat against the hilt. And when she does so, the blade of the rapier catches a flame and she passes into the weapon the flame tongue enchantment. So to read this out to you, you can use a bonus action to speak this magic sword's command word, causing flames to erupt from the blade. These flames shed bright light in a 40-foot radius and dim light for an additional 40 feet. While the sword is ablaze, it deals an additional 2d6 fire damage to any target it hits. The flames last until you use a bonus action to speak the command word again, or until you drop or sheathe the sword. Ooh. I will send you those details. Yes, please. Thank you. Sorry. Game of Thronesy. <laughs> well, I say wasn't we just a, we did just go through blade, the yeah. there was yeah we did just go through the song of ice and fire to get it so it yeah. feels fitting. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, that's that's actually really awesome. Extra two d six on top of a oh sneak attack damage. Yeah. Oh oh. Flamey rogue is the uh, the. Downside for a rogue is the whole bright light part, but yeah. oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah, and, 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 the, and the using of the bonus action. But um, mm. but I mean, you know, once 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 visible, that will um certainly assist. Indeed. Cool. Thanks, Sophia. No worries. <laughs> she says sadly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the the missing vision that you had from the Whispering Man was. It was you giving up that enchantment to Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still crying, but no one cares. I, I care. I, 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 Tommy will sidle up to you and give you a, a fairly, fairly friendly pat on the shoulder. I then go to see if I've got dandruff. Uh, you, you already had dandruff, Sophia. I don't remember the last time you washed your hair. But... Hey, hey, Sophia, uh, Solara's not here. I don't need to wash. <laughs> I mean, she's got a point. I mean, probably the, the the best kept one of us is is Dick, and that's only because he's, he's naked, naked and his clothes can't smell. So. 
I, I, I would say Dick will wash the duster as and when he gets opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the group of you are setting off towards the Shrine of Othrin. And tell me, how are you guys progressing? Are you going full-on stealth, everyone as slow as possible? Or are you trying to make up for lost time, trying to get there before nightfall? What you're thinking? Skipping. I would skipping playing the banjo. We're um, going going that route, are we? Yeah. Uh, let's. My my idea would be to slow as we get close. I was gonna say yeah. I'd want. I'm guessing it's getting close to nightfall, and Dick, being the guy who's reading the map, would want to get a move on. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to camp out right outside tonight but you know i i, I don't I don't want to have too much of a journey in the morning uh like can we make sure we look out for caves yep to we'll, party we'll, in. i would i would say i would say i would say reasonably steady speed i would i don't want to rush because then we'll get ambushed brisk. sorry brisk. brisk brisk but not not but but taking still taking some awareness of our surroundings i don't want to don't want to be running there like and I don't want to be stealthing until we get close. I think Cookson has three settings. Either we're stealthing, or we're running, or we're walking. Mm-hmm. I, would, I, would, I would go medium. Walking, then. But walking. that's up to everybody else as well. Yeah, walking's fine with me. But I, I just I don't think Cookson's going to let us go, well, technically, we were looking out for shit while mm. we ran past these orcs. No, so we're gonna to have to be moving slow enough to to look. So we're going no, we're going normal pace. I guess I guess so. Is that is that alright? Sure, normal is fine. Uh, so you are not making a, a ruckus as you head in, but you're also not being particularly stealthy. So you are setting a reasonable pace as you head towards where you think you need to go. You're not too far away from this, so I'll let you keep the rules that you've already done today for travel as you head further north and. It becomes clear to you as you're getting closer that this area, though the giants might not know exactly where they're supposed to be looking for the shrine, they've certainly been passing through this area, and you see quite a few signs of their travel. You see some broken trees, some heavy footprints in the snow, and you start to hear sounds through the lands all around you as you grow closer to a massive mountain as you're approaching and you're starting to worry about just what might be lurking in these areas you finally get a good view of where you think the shrine of othrin lies you see this huge peak this mountain that would be quite difficult to climb if you were uh, interested and you see that on the side of it it has been cracked open from some sort of large impact you can see near the mountain there are giants patrolling probably investigating what caused that damage in this presumably unknown to them random mountain and as you're stood a little bit in awe of what could do that sort of damage to this massive rocky structure you feel rumbling in the ground as four heavy sets of footprints 
start to approach your group. And that's where we're going to end this episode. Oh dear, should have stealthed! Should have stealthed! Should have looked like stayed out a bit. Like, long rest. Dude, I'm like a giant killer, don't worry. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. This is where we, we ha- end up with, like, trolls facing us or something, or something non yeah. giant. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely not a giant. It's a giant <laughs> troll. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> I've fought one of those. What a prick. <laughs> <laughs> it helps they get bigger. No, they don't. <laughs> no, don't even start. Don't, don't start this. <laughs> <laughs> right. You said giants. It's a fucking giant. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Ah, giant, many giants. Who knows? We'll find out next week. <laughs> well, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Um, that was Gunpowder Trees and No Plots. If you had fun and you want to support the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com gtmp. You can find a bunch of different tiers to subscribe at, and with a lot of different rewards there, just sat there waiting for you. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, you can also check out the description of this episode in whatever podcast app that you're using, and you'll see a link to our D&D Beyond tracker. If you click that link, it'll take you to D&D Beyond, and it'll count in our favor when discussing uh, future partnership potential with those guys. Aside from that, if you want to chat with us generally, I'm on Twitter. I'm there as at TreasonNo, and my players are there with their player names and GTMP at the end of it. If you want to find out more about our world and all of that, we have a WordPress website and a Facebook group, all at Gunpowder Treason No Plot. And I will turn you over to my co-hosts to say their own little goodbyes. It's Ask Dick! Hello, my name is Dick Fate, the Agni Ant for Varadin. This week's message. Dear Dick, my name is Karen. I've been listening to your advice recently, and it's truly horrendous. I demand you read my message on air, and I speak with your manager. By the way, I've seen you in person. Not impressed. You have woman hair. Dear Karen, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you want. But what I do have is rage. Rage built up over many years. Rage that makes me a nightmare for people like you. I promise, if you make demands of Dick again, I shall unleash my fury upon you like the crashing of a thousand waves. Never write to me again, vile woman. Woman her, this is the hair of a god. A golden god. I am untethered. And my rage knows no bounds. It's Ask Dick! Oh, such a good quote. Such a good quote. (laughs) Yeah. We watched it recently again. I was just like, oh, awesome. Classic. (laughs) Fucking Holly Valance is in it. I don't even remember Holly for Lance. But yeah, as usual, I have to follow that. So um, (laughs) over to you, Tom. Right, so uh, H, it's got a few uh, 
few interesting ones. Uh, funnily enough, most of the things in H begin with heal or healing. We've also got haste in there. That's a pretty interesting one. That's uh, that's quite useful. And uh, yeah, we got yeah, fucking loads of stuff beginning with H. But the H spell I have chosen today is um, another dickhead one. I like picking the dickhead spells because it just shows just how much of a prick those magic users are. And this one today is uh, is a particular one that is designed for you know your frail, weak, Weasley magic casting prick. Uh, when he comes up against some bloke who's been working out for a while, got himself a decent set of armour, big shield, big sword. This spell is, of course, Heat Metal. You choose a manufactured metal object, such as a metal weapon or a suit of heavy or medium metal armour, that you can see within range. You cause the object to glow red hot. Any creature in physical contact with the object takes 2d8 fire damage when you cast a spell. Until the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on each of your subsequent turns to cause this damage again. If the creature is holding or wearing the object, it takes damage from it. The creature must succeed in a constitution saving throw or drop the object if it can. If it doesn't drop the object, it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks until the start of your next turn. Which carries on and on and on and on. And is very useful against creatures that are made entirely of metal, it would appear. So, yeah, I can kind of understand that. But still, yeah, it's just one of them dickish spells. You know, you can't actually fight them in combat. Can't stand toe-to-toe like a man. Can't hide in the shadows and stab them in the back like a a hero like me. Uh, No, instead, you have to burn him alive in his own armour. I mean, actually... Thinking about it, some of them paladin pricks, it's actually a little bit funny, I suppose. But anyway. <laughs> oh, you just want to be able to cast these spells, don't you? No, I don't want to cast the fucking spells. Mm-hmm. No. I think you learned to read so you could become a spellcaster, but then realised you're actually just shit. Fuck you, Sophia. <laughs> Nobody likes you, you smell. <laughs> The monster for today is a homunculus, which is a tiny construct created by a spellcaster to act as a spy or servant. These constructs are completely loyal to their masters and remain faithful companions until death. A bit like puppies. Little cute little puppies. Hmm. Little slaves for prick spellcasters. Well, yeah, that too, but little cute little puppies. I don't think I'd ever heard a homunculi described as a puppy, but uh, hey, that's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Uh, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. That was Gunpowder, Trees and No Plots, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. Hey, I'm Brad, and if you like D&D, and fantasy stories with lots of magic, adventure, strange beasts, and oddball characters, and comedians with New Zealand accents, then oh boy, have I got just the show for you. The Fate of Ison is a podcast that has, wait for it, all of those things. Remember those things I mentioned? It's got all of them! Now go listen to The Fate of Ison, because it's good, and you deserve good things. Fate of Ison a proud member of the Necropodicon Network.
Necropodicon. Hard to pronounce, easy to listen. Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects you heard during this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so be sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.